The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to our Tuesday game day edition of the Leach Report. Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio here in Lexington. As the Wildcats take on the Alabama Crimson Tide in Tuscaloosa tonight. And Bama, the number nine ranked team in the country in the new AP poll that came out yesterday. Um, and uh, I saw there's a, a tornado that hit a little uh, community just north of Birmingham. So that's hour and change away from where the Wildcats uh, were last night. So some uh, stormy weather down there in Alabama last night. Coming up today, we'll uh, get a bit of a scouting report on the Crimson Tide from their radio play-by-play voice, Chris Stewart. Larry Vaught will join us, as usual, on Tuesdays. And Dick Gabriel from the Big Blue Insider Show and our U.K. Football Network broadcast. So that's our guest lineup as we roll into the Wildcat news of the day. Bama's won nine straight, including the 20-pointer at Rupp Arena two weeks ago. In eight of the nine games, they have scored over 80 points, including the 85-65 win over the Cats. Last four games, they've made 66 three-pointers. One guy, John Petty's, made 21 in those last four games. He had 23 against the Cats in Lexington. Uh, Bama made 14 of 33s to Kentucky's 4 of 18. Cats also had 19 turnovers that helped Alabama. Um, Kentucky uh, struggled to make two-point shots uh, about 40% in this game. And I went back and looked at last year's game, and that was an issue last year as well. Kentucky made about the same number, so they could get that north of 50%, cut down on the turnovers. Those would be two significant stats to track for Kentucky's chances tonight. Alabama was only hitting about 32 33% on three-point shots coming into conference play, but since league play began and they got in this groove, they've made 42% of their three-point shots. And uh, the interesting thing, they're also number one in the league in defensive efficiency, as well as what they're doing on the offensive end. So uh, Nate Oates has uh, a club that's playing awfully well uh, heading into this uh, rematch between Kentucky and Alabama tonight. And uh, one thing that you could watch on the scoreboard, uh, I looked up if in preparation for our broadcast tonight, if Kentucky could hold them under 75, and that is a lot easier said than done, the way Alabama plays. But uh, Kentucky did it last year when they beat Alabama in Lexington. Uh, under Coach Oates in uh, two seasons, Bama's 1-9 when they score under 75. So uh, kind of have the, the formula for what an ideal script would look like. Uh, hold Alabama, say, to the low 70s. Don't turn it over a lot. Uh, shoot a higher percentage on the two-point shots. Uh, not have a 10-goal disparity on threes would be nice, too. Kentucky actually outscored Alabama on threes in the win last year. Uh, you'd be hard-pressed to think that would happen again, but at least instead of a 10, this 10 disparity on the three-point goals, it was, you know, three or four would be a lot better for Kentucky. Jordan Bruner's still out for Alabama. 
He got hurt actually in the Kentucky game. Uh, James Rojas, who a big guy who comes off the bench for them, he's a question mark for tonight. And um, so those two guys may be out, but Alabama has back a, a player that transferred in from Villanova, a really good point guard, Javon Quinterly. Uh, he's back, and he did not play in the game here in Lexington. Uh, saw a tweet from Chris Oates' brother that uh, Chris was able to stand up for the first time since being hospitalized eight months ago. So thrilled uh, for him. Uh, happy uh, that uh, Chris's road to recovery is uh, improving. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page. That's at TomLeachKY.com. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And we'll chat with Chris Stewart from the Alabama Radio Network when we come right back. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at TomLeachKY. Back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline we go. Chris Stewart joins us. He's the radio play-by-play voice for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And that's been a really fun job this year. Yeah, it has. You you know this well. Winning is a lot of fun. And I know that, that you're not having as much right now in the bluegrass. But you uh, it's not like you've forgotten what that's like. And it, it's special. Uh, you know, we it's said out of respect for Kentucky. We're very quick to point out that you guys are head and shoulders historically above everybody else. And it's not even close. But... In terms of all-time SEC wins, Alabama's second. Unfortunately, right now, or in the last uh, 20 years, it's been hit or miss, and there's been more average. There's been very little bad, but, Tom, there's been more average than there has good or great, and it's fun to be uh, in an elite spot right now. And, and as you and I talked, the AP rankings have just come out, and Alabama's at number nine, and it's the highest they've been in a long, long time. So uh, certainly, from our standpoint as broadcasters, that makes the job more enjoyable. Because you know how it works. We go to restaurants, and and people have no problems coming up and telling us how bad things are when it's not going well. It's nice to have them come up and and, uh, interact with us when they're in a good mood. Absolutely. Uh, Bama, when they came um, into conference play, uh, had lost three games, and they Weren't, we're shooting, I think, around low 30s on, on threes. Yeah. They have been lighting it up in SEC play. Anything that Coach Oates has put his finger on that uh, turned that around for them? You know, he knew that, that he had good shooters. I mean, that's what made the start so disappointing because the, the shooting percentages were low. And that was something you go, okay, there are other areas that, that you know you've got to get better in and will take time, especially with as much turnover on the roster as there was. But the one thing you, you felt like you could do really, really well was shoot the basketball. And they, they frankly didn't do that uh, at a high level. Now they're learning how to play together better. They are sharing the ball better, which means you're getting better shots. But they're also defending really, really well. Uh, and that has turned things around as they got into conference play. Guys are understanding roles better. You know, you had a, a fairly sizable for this day and age senior class that had talent with it, but you didn't have a lot of experience for these guys playing together, and, and even the guy, the returning players were trying to kind of understand what their role was now, and I think as we've, we've gotten through the first few months of the season, there, there's a clearer understanding of that, go play, and when the ball goes through the net, it seems to solve a lot of the world's problems, and Bama's obviously been doing that at a very high rate. 
obviously, uh, Bama fans are still riding the uh, the crest of the celebration of the national championship in football. But um, what's it like for the basketball program to be ninth in the country and to be uh, you know making uh, 66 threes over the last four games and just playing this kind of style that has to uh, have the fans uh, really smiling? Well, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. It's not just winning. It's the way they're winning. And I don't mean necessarily just the large margin, but uh, the style of play is really entertaining. You know, and Alabama fans, football fans especially, appreciate good defense, and Alabama's been playing that. But when you shoot it at a ridiculously high rate and making the number of threes that they have, which is, you know, it's not a fluke. That's who they are. That That's the way Coach Oates designs it. Layups, threes, or free throws. That's what he wants to see from this team. It's where the offense is built. And when you're executing at that rate, and getting the looks from the spots you want to get them, then it's an awful lot of fun. You know, you talk about the the football comparison, and that's part of that's part of what we've talked about with Alabama basketball for years, Tom. As I already referenced, with when you're in a league with Kentucky that is as exceptional and, and among the elites from a basketball standpoint, it, it's tough to do things that get your program notoriety because that's where the standard is set from a basketball standpoint. But on your own campus, success is measured by the number of national championships that are won by the football program, which nobody is, has ever been able to live up to either. So it's, it's a tough deal in that sense. But we got a, we got a basketball coach who plays an entertaining style, who uh, really loves football and enjoys and appreciates and realizes what it can do for his basketball program, and we had that with Avery Johnson as well. But but Nate is very much a, a football guy, football fan, and loves that he has Alabama football to use as a recruiting tool for his basketball program. And, and a guy such as Nick Saban, for him, still is a relatively young coach to learn from, from a, a management standpoint and dealing with players, dealing with people, planning, execution. Those are things he literally takes notes on. So... Uh, you know, it's, it's a really good marriage. It's a really good situation. But for me, an eye-opener with the fans was uh, flight coming back from Miami in the national championship. The guy sitting across the road from me strikes up a conversation. First thing he says, great win last night. Since year was. And he goes, man, basketball sure is off to a good start, isn't it? And that was before we ever played the Cats. So that was, uh, that was, that was pretty nice. The rest of the conversation the guy had was about who. And, and you're literally still pulling confetti out of your hair from a, a football <laughs> national title. So that was that was a lot of fun, and we're getting more and more of that every day. And as people are, are realizing, hey, it is hoop season, and this seems really, really good. Radio Voice, the Crimson Tide, Chris Stewart joining us here on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline on the Leach Report. Quinterly, the kid that transferred from Villanova, did not play in the game at Rupp Arena. Um, I know he's back yeah. now. What uh, does he give them? He gives you a true point guard, which while they they more than manage because everybody can handle the ball that's on the floor, and that's that's part of the, the system and the formula is four out, one in, a lot of times five out uh, with this roster and being able to, to break down whoever is the defender off the dribble. But he gives you a true point guard who is able to score at a high level, whether it's getting the basket because of his strength and his creativity, uh, but also the skill of shooting it at a really high rate, as he did the other night when he went six for seven, and the only miss 
against LSU was the one where he was most open. He thought about it too long. So he, he gives you great scoring punch as he learns how to play on the defensive end. He's going to become uh, a guy, I think, that at college level fulfills the promise that there was had for him coming out of high school when he was a five-star and I believe a, a, a parade All-American or McDonald's All-American. He, he's got a chance to be elite, and uh, we've seen flashes of it. But when he's able to do that on a night-in, night-out basis, it's going to make him and this team even better, and the program even better. Let me ask you a John Petty player that Kentucky tried hard to uh, to land, and you don't see yeah. many guys like this anymore that stay around to the fourth year and you know get steadily better, and then just really you know have the the kind of the breakout year that that he's having. And I think it's like twenty one threes in the last four games, so yeah. he's quite a on quite a roll right now. He is, and that's another one, Tom. If you've seen him. And you, you have, it's not a fluke. I mean, that's what he's capable of. He can absolutely go off. But what was, I think, just as big and will help going forward is what happened the other night. He didn't have anywhere near the night shooting the basketball uh, against Mississippi State that he had against LSU. But when there are 30 seconds to go and it's a one-possession game and the ball's in his hands, he rises, fires, and makes the three that put it away. And that's huge. That was big for that particular game, but I think it's big for John and, and the team going forward. When you have nights like he had against LSU where he literally makes four threes before the first media timeout, you can forget it. He, you know, He's virtually uh, impossible to stop or even slow down, and you know that that type of night is coming for him. But if it, there have been games in the past where if he struggled, he would continue to struggle and may not be very productive offensively. That was not the case the other night, and it was the biggest shot at the biggest moment on a night when he was not his best. And if that continues for him, then uh, then John's going to get, uh, I, I think, a lot of attention from NBA. He's already on a lot of NBA draft boards, but I think he's going to have a chance to, to do what we're hoping for for him, and that's have his name called on that first round. Chris, thank you for the time, and uh, we will uh, hopefully maybe talk again around SEC tournament time. I'd love to. Always great to be with you, Tom. Alabama radio play-by-play voice Chris Stewart joining us here on the Leach Report coming to you from the Clark Pump and Cup Studio. We'll continue right after this timeout. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. 26 past the top of the hour. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Bring on Larry Vaught from VaughtsViews.com. Uh, the Herald Leaders just announced the 2020 Sports Figure of the Year as voted on by 153 media members across Kentucky. And it is UK assistant coach John Schlarman, who we uh, lost back in uh, mid-November. So, Larry, I think I see... Uh, John was named on 76 uh, of first-place votes among the 153 ballots. And so he it was not unanimous, but I would think it would be unanimous in saying that he is uh, very deserving. Uh, absolutely, Tom. I, I don't think you could have found a better winner. He, he got my vote. I, I debated between him and Asia site myself, but I just thought with what, what John went through, what, what he meant and how he's going to inspire people for, for many, many, many year, years to come. 
there just wasn't anybody else I could vote for this year. I think this is a very it's a terrific award the Herald Leader gives. And I think naming John Sharman the, the winner this year is just amazing. And I think probably to get 76 first place votes when you're looking at all the worthy candidates, that's a pretty impressive number. It's a it's a big number, I think. Yeah, there was uh, we had Mark Story on who, by the way, oversees this for the Herald Leader and does a, a tremendous job and takes a lot of pride in it. And um, we had Mark on, and he was he was kind of we were in agreement that uh, there was no one standout candidate, but there were m- maybe a, a deeper pool of um, candidates that you thought any one of uh, several were worthy of being the number one. A lot of times there's a clear number one or maybe top two, and then there's others who had great years but wouldn't be a strong contender for the top spot. But uh, there were some strong ones. Ryan Howard finished second in the voting, and then uh, it was Anthony Davis, Walker Bueller, and uh, Trinity uh, football coach Bob Beatty rounding out the top five. Yeah, that's an impressive group. As I said, I, I, I like Asia's site uh, a lot. When you're named I agree. the woman of the year and can keep a four-point grade point average and become an All-American, uh, that really resonated with me a lot. But but again, I think in this year and for what John Sarman meant and stood for, uh, I just think he he's the right winner this year with, without a doubt and really happy that he got this. That was... The Tennessee game was, I think, undoubtedly the uh, the highlight of this football season for Kentucky to go down and uh, win there for the first time since 84, to do it so convincingly. And then it turned out to be you know, John's final game with the, the team uh, where he was there with them, and he uh, talked to them before the game and after the game, and you saw the pictures of, uh, of him and knew you know, how the, the fight had taken its toll on his body. Uh, but he was right there with his guys. He he sure was. I think this is just a n- another great reminder for for his wife Leanne and, and his and his boys about how much John meant to so many people, and that he's going to keep meaning that. And we're all going to keep thinking about him for a long, long time, just like they are. No, all uh, all very well said. Uh, Larry Vaught's with us from Vaught's Views dot com. Big basketball game tonight that we will talk about with Larry when we come right back. Uh, Dick Gabriel, also coming up in the second half of the show. It's the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And we will return right after this timeout. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. From the Clark's Papa Shop studio, it's the second half of our Leach Report show. And Larry Vaught is on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline with us. You can read him at VaughtsViews.com and YourSportsEdge.com. And uh, follow on Twitter at VaughtsViews. And uh, Larry... Kentucky and Alabama tonight in a rematch of a game that we saw two weeks ago in Rupp where the, the Crimson Tide uh, won convincingly. Um, what's your level of optimism that Kentucky could flip the script? Well, it, it, it's better than it was before the LSU game, and they did win LSU, so that, that has helped some. But watching the way that Alabama just dismantled Kentucky and the fact that Alabama 
can score and has continued to score all season and, and makes a, a lot of those threes. It's, it's not a high level of confidence right now. This heck, Alabama is a really difficult ma- matchup for Kentucky. The, the way they, they do shoot the ball has so many different guys that shoot the ball so well. And if you come out and contest them too hard, they go by you and get layups. So I don't know what Kentucky's going to come up with. I know yesterday Bruiser Flint talked about that sometime you're just going to have to give up some layups. That's just part of it. makes me think they're going to really come out and try to contest those three-point shots a lot more than they did the first time, which I think you've got to do because Kentucky's not going to make 12 or 13 threes if that's what Alabama has to trade with them, and it's hard to get to get twos and trade them with threes. And Alabama also gets the foul line pretty well, so they're going to have to do something different but more than anything, Tom, they're just going to make shots because they're not going to. I don't think they're going to win this game scoring sixty-two points. No, no, that uh, that you know, they've, I would think the number you'd shoot for would be at least seventy-five, um, and uh, hope that you could hold Alabama down a little bit. You know, defensively, Kentucky is top twenty in the country in defensive efficiency. Just looking at their numbers here, um, teams are shooting thirty-three percent against them on the three-point line, forty-three and a half percent. Uh, at the two-point line, which are among the, the best figures in the Southeastern Conference. But against Alabama, uh, Alabama shot 14 of 30 at the three-point line. Uh, and almost half their shots were threes. I went back and looked at last year's game, and uh, less than a third of their shots were threes. So that would speak to, you know, it's if a team does something especially well and, and really feeds off that, which is three-point shooting in Alabama's case, if you can do something to kind of make them a little less comfortable, get them a little bit out of their comfort zone, that's a good place to start. Yeah, it is. And if you remember, John Calipari talked after the Alabama game about how he thought his players got, I don't know, I can't remember if he said embarrassed or hesitant or what, about really going out and contesting those shots hard because when they did a few times, players just drove by them for layups. They didn't want to do that. But I think, as you said, they're going to have to try to to do that more because they can't let them stand out there and just shoot because I think this far into the season you've got to concede that if you give Alabama open threes, they're going to make a pretty high percentage of them and they're going to shoot an awful awful lot of them. So that's just something they've got to be able to get out there and, and do better to contest. And, of course, if they could make some shots and, and score some points, I'll let Alabama get out of transition so much that that would help a lot. So to, to me... Yes, you got to limit Alabama scoring, but Kentucky's just got to find a way to score and make and get some points themselves. And and all their losses—that's been a really hard thing for them to do. So maybe, maybe Alabama let them spread the court out and get to running like LSU did that first half when it was kind of fun. That, had Forty-nine points. That would be nice. Of they came back the second half and only had thirty-three. Uh, Larry, uh, remember when um, Kentucky lost to Bama, and I can't remember who it was, but there. Which player, but uh, whoever came on and talked with Mike after the game on the uh, UK network talked about, he used a phrase, we got punked, or Alabama punked us, or something to that effect. In other words, Bama was really physical, uh, and Kentucky didn't uh, respond to that well. BJ Boston had five points. Uh, BJ, for example, is playing much. We saw this in the LSU game, learning to play through contact better. Olivier Saar is uh, getting a little better at that. So, um, and, and Olivier, I guess, in the media session yesterday, talked a little bit about Alabama's trash talking, right? Yeah, he, he talked quite a bit about it. I didn't really 
realize or pick up from watching on TV that there was that much of it going on. But he said apparently they did a lot and that uh, he didn't really want to get into it, but that the Kentucky guys remembered what they said. And, of course, we've heard John Calipari, I think, say now about eight or nine times I had an Alabama player at the end of the game ask him what the score was that he couldn't see the scoreboard. So hopefully those kind of things will light, light a little fire under Kentucky because when you get beat by 20, you need your fire to be burning a lot brighter if you're going to change it around this time. Yeah, and uh, certainly it should. And um, this, any hope, I mean, K- Kentucky is you know hanging by a thread as far as any, uh, excuse me, I had to cough, any NCAA tournament at large hope if you, um, you know, they could win the SEC tournament and get in. But for an SEC, uh, for an NCAA at large bid, they're hanging by a thread. Um, and the, the thing is that, that they lack is you know, quality wins, um, you know, a couple of nice, decent ones with LSU and Florida. But you have two chances this week uh, to to ring that bell, if you will, with Alabama and then uh, Texas, two top ten teams, and you get one of them at, at home. Um, this is a uh, you know an opportunity and maybe a you know a, a last opportunity. If you don't win either one of these, it's uh, would be really hard to see them having any any path to get an at large. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Tom. I think you you maybe don't have to win them both, but you've got to find a way to win one of these two and put a little something on your resume. Then after that, you're still going to have work to do. You're going to have to string some other wins together. But if you could win one of these two, I think you at least still have a, a glimmer of hope. And I think that's really important this year because I know I'm one. I'm still just not very confident they're going to have conference tournaments. I think they, they might just shut things down to make sure they have teams safe and ready to go for NCAA tournaments. So I don't think this is the year you're going to be putting a whole, whole lot of faith in where we can get hot at the right time in the SEC tournament and still get in because I don't have a whole lot of confidence myself that there will be an SEC tournament. Uh, I'm still uh, significantly on the, the confidence side of the spectrum that, that there will be. Um, but it was interesting. I saw Chris Mack was asked about the possibility at uh, his news conference in the ACC with Louisville about the possibility of teams opting out that are safely in the field. Uh, and that could be an interesting angle that the tournament maybe still happens, but not with the uh, le- with every team in, in a league that participates. H- hadn't really thought about that. that and that makes a, a lot of sense, too, because why risk anything if you know you're already in the tournament? I don't know how your conferences would respond if they are having the tournament and you decide to opt out. That probably wouldn't make you the most popular conference member. Or, or then again, maybe it would because maybe they want yeah. to make sure you're in the, you're in the <laughs> tournament. It would be, be an, it's something I hadn't thought about. It's an interesting thing to kind of think about going forward. Yeah, that's, maybe that first night of the SEC tournament is the uh, Final Four. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Larry, thanks. Uh, we'll uh, chat next week. All right, Tom. And Larry Vaughty joins us every Tuesday here on the Leach Report. We'll get to a break. Um, by the way, Larry's weekly segments, uh, a service of Country Boy Brewing right here in Lexington. Nick Gabriel's next up on the Leach Report Radio Network. It's the Leach Report. We go back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Bring on Dick Gabriel from our UK football radio network team. 
You hear him on the Big Blue Insider Show, uh, weeknights in Lexington on our flagship station, WLAP. Also, a shareholder of the Green Bay Packers. So, uh, are you organizing any kind of uh, board meeting to review this game last Sunday? In particular, the uh, what was your take on the uh, decision to go for the field goal late? Let me put it to you this way. I'm firing everybody. <laughs> Everybody. That was the dumbest decision in the history of the playoffs because it meant nothing. Uh, you, you, knew can't, you, you knew that, that Tampa was going to just run the ball. They're not going to hand you any more interceptions. But, Tom, our defensive coordinator falls asleep at the end oh. of the first half and just hands him seven. That was crucial. I'm firing, the kid, I'm firing the kid who dropped the two-point conversion. I know somebody kicked the ball. You're harsh. You paid a lot of money to make that catch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're I've heard some of the analytics discussions about the uh, the field goal decision, and that it's kind of you, uh, you know if you uh, you uh, we're going to have to stop them anyway, and that way you get the ball back and you go down and score, uh, you could win the game instead of being in a position to to need a two pointer to tie. But it's like no. you know fifty fifty either way. The thing to me though is. Uh, I think analytics are great, and they can be very insightful. And I thought this came up in the uh, with Buffalo's decision to to go for two late, and that was a yeah. I saw uh, Nance and Romo getting uh, uh, roasted yesterday by some columnist for uh, their take on that. the The thing that the analytics don't factor in is it's is the uh, the human factor uh, of just human nature, I guess. Um, yeah. On the buff on the Buffalo game. If you kick the extra point there instead of go for two and miss it, you kick it, you keep the hope alive. And that's something you yes. can't measure analytically. Same thing here with the, the field goal is if you uh, don't kick the field goal and you go for it, even if you don't make it, Tampa Bay is in a worse spot from a field position standpoint, making them easier to stop. Exactly. And here's one more thing to remember. We hadn't stopped them, quote-unquote. Brady had stopped them. The Packer defense never really stopped Tampa if it didn't pick off a pass. And 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 all credit to the pass rush and the DBs who picked them, but we couldn't get off the field. It's, it was like the old bad Kentucky teams. We couldn't get off the field on third down we had to. And I say we because I'm an owner. There you go. Uh, well, let's shift to the basketball game tonight, Kentucky yeah. and Alabama. Uh, it's the first time that uh, Alabama is ranked in the top ten when facing Kentucky since – uh, 1987, and Kentucky actually uh, won that game in Tuscaloosa when Bama was ranked ninth, 70 to 69. And I went back and looked, and when Alabama's ranked and Kentucky is not, uh, Kentucky has won six out of nine all time, including splitting four at <laughs> Alabama. Um, and I saw where the Alabama uh, analyst on radio tweeted out something yesterday that Nate Oates actually shared with his team the last four times Alabama's won a road game by 15 or more and had the rematch on their home court. They've lost every time. So a lot of those kind of are cycling back to analytics and numbers. They're interesting numbers, uh, but the the players uh, will decide this. So what do the Kentucky players have to do to try to decide it in their favor? Well, first of all, what a smart ploy by, by NATO. That guy is sharp. There's no question. Kentucky players, for, for one thing, have to at least – act as though they recall the game plan defensively. It seemed like they weren't interested in guarding the arc the last time they played Alabama. And I was in listening to you and Mike in the pregame last time. Mike said they're going to shoot a lot of threes. Now, they don't ordinarily make a lot of threes. 
But wide open, stepping into threes, they just lit them up. Uh, 10 to 22, you know, in the first half. So at least act like you know what you're doing on defense and then make the extra pass on offense. You know, I, I think they, they look more like a team that knew what it was doing in the win over LSU and, and, uh, and play for each other, as, as Calipari, as every coach says. You know, make that extra pass and, you know, tweak your offense and, and put more pressure on Alabama because Alabama didn't have to play a whole lot of defense last time. Uh, I went back and watched some of it uh, today, uh, the last game, and it was amazing how many times Alabama got a three-point shot off without a hand in their face. Either yeah. uh, a high pick and roll, it was a pick and pop, and, and they left one guy, and there were two guys on the dribbler, and he throws it back to the open guy. Or other times where guy takes a shot, and there's – you know, a hands down, and the Kentucky player sticks his hand up at the last minute, so he yeah. can say, "I had my hand up," but he really didn't because it came up as after the shots released. And uh, it, you would think that would certainly uh, change in this uh, matchup. And you know, Alabama, as I said, moved to number nine in the country this week, first time since the late '80s. Um, and before that, you have to go back to a time that. You and I can remember well in the mid seventies when CM Newton had a great run with guys oh, like yeah. Leon Douglas and T.R. Dunn and and uh, seventy three, seventy four, seventy five uh, in that run, and um, they had several games in which Alabama was ranked, you know, in the top ten or fifteen when they played Kentucky. And the thing about those Kentucky teams that's interesting with respect to this one, seventy three. They had a great big man in Jim Andrews. He leaves. 75, they brought in uh, some big guys in Roby and Phillips that filled a need. 74, you had Bob Guyette that had to play center, and that made Jimmy <laughs> Dan Connor had to play power forward. Point being That's is right. the next year, when the pieces fit together better, uh, a lot of the same guys ended up playing in the national championship game that had gone 13-13 and 13 the year before. You're correct, and they also brought in a kid named Danny Hall who was 6'10". Yeah, that's right. So they actually had brought in three, because Joe Beza, I'm never getting caught like that again. But but to your point about Alabama uh, shooting the threes, Jimmy Dykes was on with us, with us last night, and he said uh, in their research, ESPN, only about 9% of Alabama shots are two-point jumpers. Everything is either a three-point try or a shot at the rim. And you know what that reminds me of, Tom? 1987 Providence, coached by a young yeah. guy named Rick Patino, told right. his team, I only went threes or shots in the paint. You take anything else, I'm taking you out. And he wrote that to the Final Four. You know, <laughs> and, and that's what it's becoming now in college basketball. Yeah, actually, they beat, uh, on that run to the Final Four, beat that Alabama team I referenced earlier that was in 87 that was in the top ten. <laughs> yeah, it's a great memory by you. You know, and they also beat Georgetown and uh, yeah. got some help in Austin P. upset Illinois, Lake Kelly's Austin P. team. And they did. They won the regional in Louisville, of all places. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's becoming three and D right now. Well, the thing I went back and looked at last year when Kentucky beat Alabama in Lexington, um, held them to sixty-seven points. The Bama's uh, percentage of three-point shots, in other words, how many of the overall shots were threes, were twenty-eight uh, percent. It was oh. almost fifty percent in this game in Lexington. So yeah. you have to uh, make them shoot more of the shots that they are that they don't want to shoot, which are the, the twos and preferably the, the pull-up type. If if you can have the ideal defensive game plan, you would contest three-point shots, make them go in, and then be able to rotate in such a manner that you have to make them shoot over your length because that's, and that's when Kentucky has an advantage if you're trying to shoot over their length. Now, 
if you're driving and there's nobody there, which was the case many times in the rotation, then that length is is negated. So if Kentucky can play, can execute a uh, a, a defensive game plan that I'm sure will be drawn up for them tonight, if they can execute it, I think they've got a shot. Five of the last, uh, four of the last five games, they've held opponents below 40% shooting. The one they didn't was Alabama. And you're right. What you just said is exactly what they have to do. Jackson's got to guard the rim. Sar's got to guard the rim, take some charges. You know, we talk about playing for each other on offense. You got to do it on defense, too. You got to communicate, which they did against LSU, but LSU had a silly game plan, so they can't expect that. Hey, uh, lastly, uh, about 30 seconds here, but just a quick thought on John Schlarman as the sports figure of the year by the Herald Leader. My vote, I think, you know, I've, I've not read the article yet, but if ever there was a sports figure uh, who needed to be praised and lauded this year and every year, uh, but especially this year, John Schlarman was it, and, uh, man, they sure missed him this year. Yep, and uh, Will going forward, uh, as will his family. Hey, and uh, all of us, really, that knew him. John uh, Schlarman, the uh, Sports Figure of the Year for the Lexington Herald-Leader. Gabe, thanks you much. All right, bud. Good game. That's uh, Dick Gabriel. You can follow him at BigBlueInsider.com, as well as uh, the radio show. And we'll be right back to wrap up this edition of the Beach Report. The new Rave On app presents our This Day in UK History Note. And in this day in 1993, Kentucky crushed LSU 105 to 67, led 54 21 at the half. LSU coach Dale Brown got ejected early in the second half of this one. Um, and a uh, birthday, a uh, former Wildcat and Kentucky coaching legend, Kentucky high school coaching legend, Ralph Carlisle was born on this day. Uh, last night in college hoops, good one in the Big 12. West Virginia rallied late, beat Texas Tech 88-87. A couple of top 15 teams matched up there. UK's John Rhodes, named third team All-America by uh, D1 Baseball. Baseball season's uh, just around the corner. And Texas coach Shaka Smart tested positive for COVID uh, that was announced yesterday. Of course, the Longhorns uh, come into Lexington. They're scheduled to Saturday night. They play Oklahoma tonight. As far as we know, that game is on, and it's just Coach Smart at this point that has a COVID issue. So something that we'll have to continue to track. And we will see you tomorrow to review. Thanks Kentucky for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. See you next time, right here on The Leach Report.